read a little scripture and get started here. In the sixth month, that was of a pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. All right. Next three weeks, we'll be in Luke connecting ourselves to uh, Christmas themes and staying on our themes. What would our themes be? Well, number one, how about the spirit of prophecy? In Luke's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, we see the spirit of prophecy stirred up. Somewhat in people, but it's uh, instituted and inaugurated by an angelic visitation. Um, those of you who know the, your Bible know that um, we end Malachi with a word about the return of Elijah. Those of you who know this text know that the return of Elijah in the person of John the Baptist is uh, manifested in the previous part of this. And we'll make our way back around it before we get to the Christmas season. But I want to talk a little bit about the spirit of prophecy. And I want to talk a little bit about, as just a, a way to, to set us up, and a little bit about connectedness. Okay? So, we live in a disconnected world. And if there's anything that gets highlighted during this season of the year, it's the level of our disconnectedness, the pain of our disconnectedness, and the heightened, heightened feeling of our disconnectedness. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the time of the year when we have these forced gatherings with family that we don't gather with any other time. Can we talk? <laughs> uh, this is this is this is when this is when if that is painful, then the painful is magnified uh, by proximity. And so, what I want you to know is that the Bible is about connectedness and about bringing a connectedness into your life that will help you transcend the barriers that you're dealing with everywhere else. Because there's tons of disconnectedness. And so, that's why I have said we are connected by love. Because you know, and I know that this Christmas season is about the manifestation of the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So you know that <laughs> the, what God's up to here is uh, crossing over those barriers 
And here's the reality. Unless you are experientially connected, you're, you're not in good shape. Listen, we, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a theologian and I'm actually a teacher of theology and I'm constantly confronted with the fact that that as wonderful as, and I love theology, don't get me wrong, I really love theology. But great theology comes out of great connectedness. Great theology comes out of great experience. Come on. <laughs> great theology is, is, it brings us into a relationship. And what God wants you to have is your experiential relational life in order way more than your theological categories fully satisfied. That's what he's after. And uh, you, can have, you can have the check marks. And I've just, I've just noticed something about God. I don't know if you realize, you probably noticed this too. Lots of people with lots of disagreements theologically have the same experience of Jesus. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying somebody's got it wrong and he still loves us. And he loves us. He wants to get us sorted out for sure. And not for us not to lead people astray for sure. But what he wants more than anything else is the relational connectedness. And this is what God is after. God is building a family. He's after a family. He wants you in his family. He wants to, he wants to build us into a family. And all of that came to a tremendous climax with this encounter between the angel Gabriel and a young virgin. I've always said and would not be surprised if this young woman was just barely into puberty. This was not a 20 something. She was betrothed, so we know that she was connected in that way, and in those days, to be betrothed was the same. The, you actually had to have a divorce to break a betrothal because the covenant was agreed on and set in place. So it's a really big deal. But what happens here, and, and this is where we gotta get it, and I, I, I want us to, I want you to work with me. I'm constantly talking about prophecy and the spirit of prophecy. Let me say it another way. Prophecy is God speaking directly to you personally. The spirit of prophecy is the loosing of his, of his voice. Now, what does connect us is, is, the, is the voiceness. Whenever there's revival, people are hearing God a lot. And they hear God in ways that we don't imagine, ways we don't think of. <laughs> Road signs prophesy to them. Clouds prophesy to them. Uh, traffic patterns prophesy to them. Because God just speaks in the middle of what you're in. This is a big deal here because this is a God who has for a very long time 
been very quiet. And this is a people who are living on, let's get this straight, 400 years of hope. America's nowhere close to 400 years old. 400 years of waiting for a word from God. Our little tiny experiment, those of you who are wringing your hands, God's not wringing his hands. But, but that doesn't mean there's not lots of trouble. There is lots of trouble. I sometimes say to people that, that, that the spirit of prophecy is um, such that, um, that what a prophet does is he speaks into the covenantal relationship. So in the old covenant, the old covenant prophets prophesy into the law and the prophets. And in the new covenant, New Covenant prophets prophesy into life in the Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ. Different covenant, same gift, slightly different pattern. But let me go a little further. Um, when I talk about this, I also tell people, and this, this is the stuff that confuses people. I say, the prophets were lawyers. And their training, their training would have been very much the kind of training that a lawyer gets with something additional. That is to say, they were trained in the line-on-line -line, um, revelation of the law and of the prophets. And they were legal advocates of the law and the prophets to the people on behalf of God. Uh, because we have such a kind of a mixed view of, of, of lawyers, when I give that image, it bothers people. The difference with the prophet was that the prophet was also one who was fixed on word and spirit. He was hearing what had been said, and he's hearing what is being said. So you got it? So then when a prophet would prophesy and be, be acknowledged by the people, then that prophet's writings go into the corpus of, of the training. So the training was increasing. So Ezekiel gets trained on Jeremiah because that's been released. All right, when we come to the new covenant, ah, something new is needed. A fresh revelation. Um, we've gotten real intentional about releasing prophetic voices. And one of the things that I hope you're desirous to do is to be one of those prophetic voices. And so when the new year comes around, one of the things we're going to pour right into quickly is getting a lot of people activated in what you're you're trained to do because I want you to be releasing the word also because um, a person with the revelation of God is not, is not uh, at the mercy of a person with an argument. 
The world is desperate. Now, everybody in every denomination on some level operates in this spirit of prophecy. Let me demonstrate that to you. If you're in the evangelical and not charismatic world, here's what happens. They study, 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 study the scriptures and they're good at it. And then when they talk to you, their language is laced with, what are you gonna do about this verse? When they speak to you, they speak to you out of verses of scripture. Now, my, my difficulty with that, and I do have some difficulty with that, is that a lot of that is rooted in proposition rather than relationship. And what happens is they tend to prophesy in the realm of, of, of bringing uh, charges rather than bringing manna. In the new covenant, the spirit of prophecy is supposed to bring you into relationship, not condemn you about your life. Now, in that world, nothing is stronger to me than how hard people in that world are on themselves. And so Christianity for so many people is a miserable exercise because all they can think about is all the ways God's upset with them because of a verse of scripture, this, that, or that. And, and then your spirituality is constantly striving to be approved of and your prayer is constantly um, rehearsing your misery if you're not careful. It's not exactly, I mean, I mean look, look, I'm broad brushing. Everybody's not like that, but there's plenty of it. And whenever I run into people who, every time some subject is brought up, they'll say, well, I oughta, well, well I oughta, and I know I should, well, I oughta. And I'm like, please get off of that treadmill. Because the treadmill of what God does is put you in that place of who you are and what he has done for you and constantly bring greater revelation of his goodness to you in order that you can operate more out of the higher revelation of God's goodness in your life. And then when you go out and you minister, you're not at the mercy of being under condemnation while you're trying to give revelation. Because people who feel miserable about who they are are not very helpful to people who need to get saved. <laughs> okay, so, so I keep working on this. I keep working on this. I want you to come into the spirit of prophecy that is the pronouncement of good news and the pronouncement of the goodness of God and is the revelation of the God who comes into the impossible and makes it possible. The God who comes into the brokenness and brings healing. The God who comes into the distance and brings nearness. I want you to come into your Christmas season as a connector, not a disconnector. As a person with good news, not a person that's a reminder of the bad news. As a person with gifts to bring, not a person with detractions to make. 
we got to work at this. We got we got work to do. Um, we got to get we got to get this revelation right. And so, here's where I'm coming from. Got to get it. Revelation brings connection. And connection brings peace. Revelation is good news of great joy, which shall be to all people of the God who's in connection with us. Now, okay. So, um, Revelation brings connection and um, and our sin brings disconnection and alienation. And all you have to do is look at the first story of the Bible to see it. They were made in perfect connection to God. And with by the time we're in the third chapter of what we call Genesis, is we're into disconnection. We're already into hiding. Um, I love what connection does. Uh, you see, connection, you're naked and not ashamed. I told Gail I was going to preach on that. You see, when the highest relationships, uh, the husband and wife, you, you enter into the sanctuary of naked and not ashamed. You enter into that glorious revelation of yourself as well as the revelation from heaven. And, and disconnection is everywhere. Okay, now... in a lot of danger because there's a lot of rabbits running through my head. <laughs> I've gotten better at it since I've gotten a little older. Some of you notice it doesn't take me as long, but tonight I'm in, I'm, I'm in grave danger. Grave danger? Yes, grave danger. <laughs> Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. favor of the Lord will always bring you into greater intimacy but will magnify um, the necessity of a higher relationship. Okay. Revelation is the seedbed of faith. When, when you're living in God's revelation, you're in, the, you're in the place where faith can happen. The more revelation you receive, the more you are literally standing in the place of favor. And what we see tonight is the person who stood in the greatest 
place of favor that any human has ever had. And simultaneously placed in peril. Simultaneously placed in danger of alienation. Simultaneously placed in, in, in um, vulnerability. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So for all of you who say, I want the favor of the Lord, then read your Bible and you'll find that, it, that the favor of the Lord came to Noah and it came to Abraham and it came to David and it came to Daniel. And all of them were in huge crisis more than once. So if you want the favor of God, you're saying, yeah, go ahead and... Shoot me, Lord. <laughs> Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying because she actually understood that. Not the fullness of what he was about to say to her, <laughs> but at the presence that is there revealing to her and at the word that's coming forth. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pressed and distressed because I'm 100% sure that where we've got is not where we're going and that we can't get where we're going with what we got. And that what got us here won't get us where we're trying to go. And so I've been, when I got a prophetic word, when the church got a prophetic word that this was a year of change, I said, okay, I'm embracing that, even not knowing what it is. And then here comes the change. And then when I get faced with, okay, what's the future? Then you got to know that, okay, I need greater revelation. Because listen, let, let me be really plain. If as a person in ministry, I've reached my ceiling then that's a problem because that means we've gone as high, I've gone as high as I'm going to go. We've gone as high as we're going to go. And it's time for somebody else to make a floor out of my ceiling. You understand? So I had to start saying, well, can we get another ceiling? I don't know if you know anything, but raising the ceiling in your house is one of the most expensive and hardest things you'll ever do. Costs a lot. So I'm saying, Lord, can we change, can we raise the ceiling? Because I don't think we've seen all that God has set us out for or called us out for. I don't think we've seen it. Well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about greater signs and wonders, a greater anointing for healing in our house. I'm talking, about, I'm, I'm talking about coming to the place of some of these things that have never moved, having to move. I'm talking about breaking spirit of poverty off of people. I'm talking about transformation. And then God was good to me this week because into my office walked uh, a young fellow who came from an evangelical church. And, and he said, well, the reason I'm here is because I wanted to find the Holy Spirit. So we read about your church and came. And then you gave a sermon. I came down and got prayer and got healed. I'm like, come on. Now, 
same person is like wanting to learn about Holy Spirit. And I've just noticed that if there's, if there's any, if there's been a lid on Christianity itself, the lid was in the, in the experiential knowledge of the life in the Holy Spirit. And God for the last hundred years has been blowing that lid off since, it, well, longer, but certainly since Azusa Street. Um, for the last 115 years of Christianity, um, probably something like one in every 11 people on planet earth have had encounter, an encounter that is described as a charismatic encounter with Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit flowing. Now you've got to understand something. Before that, it would have been, it would have been one in a thousand And when I started saying, Lord, what are you doing in the world today? And I looked around, it was like, he's moving in his Holy Spirit. And what can happen in a church like ours is for, us to, is, is for us to put a ceiling on it. So here we're looking at the most amazing miracle that has ever taken place. The favor of God coming to a virgin. And notice, it's not without instructiveness. A virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. You should know your Bibles. That the house of David comes out of the tribe of Judah. And that the tribe of Judah comes out of, comes out of the nation of Israel. And that the nation of Israel comes out of the race of Shem. And that the race of Shem, are, are you with me? Comes out of the family of, of Noah. And that the family of Noah comes out of the line of Seth. <laughs> and that the line of Seth is the seed of the woman. So... The writer is saying to us, our story has progressed to this point. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. I'm going to preach a sermon pretty soon here about the transformation from those who are afraid to those who are afraid. Because it goes like this. The disciples of Jesus are the ones who are afraid who before God is finished, they become the source of the fear. And what God is wanting to do in us is to take us out of fear into the realm of dangerous. In other words, when you look at me, it makes me afraid. And you're not doing anything. But every one of you have known some person in your life that their eyes met yours and you were like, looking down. And that's what God wants to do. Listen, I'm not even messing around about this. God wants to take us from being afraid to being dangerous. This is a really big deal. This is a really big deal. This is how the gospel gets spread. And... And um, always when God gives a manifestation, he has to say to us, don't be afraid. And the kind of fear that I'm talking about here, this is this fear of the Lord. 
Uh, the fear of the Lord comes out of, listen, people who love the Lord walk in the fear of the Lord. So I'm not really talking about getting rid of this. You're not gonna get rid of this. This is when God reveals himself big, we need an angel to comfort us. <laughs> we need a real clarity about who we are in Christ. But, but we are to become the source of people's anxiety. And also the source of their relief. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, if you don't get this, this is basically the angel reciting her covenant history to her and telling her that what God is placing inside of her is the fulfillment of their covenant history. Son of the Most High is, an, is a concept that came out of David's revelation about the promises of God for him. Giving the throne of your father David was, was the promise of saying, David was told he'd have someone to sit on the throne forever. Guess what? They hadn't had anybody on that throne in quite a while. So it was a promise to be manifested. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Now we've gone way past David, all the way to the patriarchal fathers. And then he says, oh, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's the covenant promise that's, that's given to David. That's the covenant promise that's given to the line of Judah. That's the covenant promise that is, that is given to Adam. I want you to have dominion. It's right here. I used to love the first chapters because they like it's like poetry. Now it's not poetry to me anymore. It's prophecy. And it's covenant prophecy. And so the angel is, is, is giving her a roadmap. And then this question. And, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. Um... She's about to get married. I'm pretty sure she knows where babies come from. From her question. So she's hearing this and saying this. How will this be? In other words, there's an inkling in her that there's more going on here than what she knows. Most people don't get an angel to tell them a baby's coming. And the announcement that he'll be a king. I do wonder within myself how many, how many families in the in the house of David were there that had, you know? I wonder how many faithful families were telling this their own story. Because if you read Israel's history, you can tell over and over that they didn't even seem to know their own story at times. I mean, certainly when Saul was made king from the tribe of Benjamin. Nobody seemed to know that their king was supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. Nobody seemed to have that. 
So I'm always wondering what, what was going on, and I, I, I think about these things, and, and uh, I'm so determined to get you thinking larger because I'm so determined for you to have a narrative inside yourself that is way more than whether you go to heaven when you die, but it's who am I here now and what has God got in my life that will manifest through me? Because we're at the other end of the funnel. That thing narrowed down to Jesus and then it exploded to the earth. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born shall be called Holy, the Son of God. All right, so... Um, one of my happiest moments last weekend was when I was in the, what, what we call the green room, I guess. And the pastor of the whole movement brings a woman by the hand to come tell me her testimony. And she starts telling the testimony of her desire to be filled with the Spirit and of all these years of anxiety and frustration and seemingly abandonment and denial. And then she starts telling about how the Holy Spirit came upon her in the ministry. And that pastor was like so happy because that's what he's after. You see, we weren't at an evangelistic meeting. We were at a Christian gathering. There probably were a few people that needed to be born again, but most of the people there need the Holy Spirit to come upon them in a way that something will be born in them that is so dynamic that they'll become a source rather than a consumer. And this phrase, come upon you, the Holy Spirit come upon you, this phrase has been a phrase that has helped me. Um, I thought this, this today, uh, tonight I would talk some about categories of language. I'm about to teach theology again, so I always talk about categories of language. Because whether you, what, what you do in your mind is you, you organize thoughts in categories. And that's how you make sense of them. And what will happen to most of you, you don't know that you're like this, but you're like this. You have categories sitting in your brain, and you're going to forgive me when I say this. They're more your Bible than your Bible. Because if a Bible verse doesn't fit neatly into one of your categories, you're discomforted, and you either think you've been taught something wrong. And, and look, this is, not a, this is not a terrible thing, but it's something to be aware of. And, and so I'm, I'm a guy that's constantly, when I read my Bible, I'm always questioning the categories. I'm as bad as the social deconstructionists are. I'm having to realize that. Because people have things in neat little categories, and you need to know, there was no category for what he's talking to her about. There is no category in the Bible for a child conceived of the Holy Spirit. This had not happened before. Yes, there have been some miraculous pregnancies, but dudes were involved. 
is when God says, yeah, we're passing that. <laughs> and there's no category for this. And so he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, this phrase, come upon you, has been a really significant phrase in my life. Because when I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the categories that were out there were filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And interestingly enough, uh, I found a category that, and, and look, I was a theologian, so I could tell you what filled with the Spirit meant, I could tell you what baptizing the Holy Spirit meant, and I had good arguments, I was good with scripture. I could fit them neatly in the categories. But there was something going on inside my life that no category could satisfy. I needed an encounter with God. And you have to get an encounter with God to explode what you know. You have to be able to lose what you know so you can get what you don't know. And what you know is often in the way of what you don't know. And I'm obsessed with the Bible. So I think the Bible is a revelational book. It's not merely a rational book. And so I'm chasing after categories in the Bible to help me organize things. Because I see what happens when people organize things with categories that are outside the text. And all you have to do is look at our culture right now. Won't go there. Don't have time. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're all glad he doesn't have time. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So I had a category for the Holy Spirit is with you. I had a category for the Holy Spirit is in you. John's, in John, John's gospel, Jesus said to the disciples, he's with you, the Spirit is with you, and he will be in you. And then later on, he starts talking about, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the first time you really find that phrase is right here. <laughs> so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, just know that God's getting ready to do something as powerful as anything he has ever done. <laughs> the power of God that conceived the Son of God in a woman's womb is the description of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Now, I'll say it this way. The Spirit is in you for you, and he comes upon you for the world. He's in you for you to give you identity, to give you forgiveness, to give you restoration, to give you healing, but he comes upon you for others. Mary, the Holy Spirit's about to come upon you. And oh, are we going to do something for others when he does. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy and the Son of God. And so this child is the Son of Man through the line of David through Mary's house. And he's the Son of God born completely of the Father. Fully man, fully God. 
And here it is. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, another miracle, and is in the sixth month. Answer to the previous in the sixth month statement. With her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is a really good word for me because um, I was saying, God, have we hit the ceiling? The good thing is, there's no category in the Bible that says a person has a ceiling as long as they're living and breathing. Ceiling is a post-mortem assessment, not something that's going on while you're living and breathing. And the only ceilings you have are the ceilings of the strongholds of your mind that prevent you from receiving more. The things we've settled for that said, this is it for me. This is it. No, it's not. You're breathing. You're still this generation, right? Well, come on. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. (laughs) Hallelujah. And the next thing you know, her betrothed husband finds out she's pregnant. I have a, a, do you like miracles? I like miracles. I like miracles. Bishop Garlington um, tells a story about, (laughs) about miracles, sort of. He said a local pastor in a small town was stopped by the police officer and the officer comes over to the man and says, Pastor, have you been drinking? No, sir. Pastor, what's in that bottle over there on the floorboard? Water? Give me that bottle. Pastor, this is wine. Pastor says, he did it again. You can't get that just anywhere. (laughs) On this one about this pregnancy, I I have a baby sister, I never forget it, years ago, my baby sister was um, having some problems and she went to the doctor. And and my baby sister is, she, she grew up in my family and she has every bit of my sass. So she goes to the doctor and uh, the doctor does a brief examination and he says to her, she was like 16 years old, he says to her, you're pregnant. And my clever sister said, well, if I am, it's only the second time in history. (laughs) Turned out she had a tumor and had to have a surgery to have it removed and she's fine today. But isn't that a great answer? Or nothing will be impossible with God. So Christmas is the story of the impossible becoming possible. Which means every person from which you're disconnected is a potential connection. Which means all you need is the right revelation 
to get in the right relation. Because information brings alienation, but revelation brings connection. And God is calling us into connection. You want something to pray about for Christmas? Pray about getting some healing in your, in your relational life. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Be it to, unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I had a whole bunch of other stuff, but that's enough for tonight. Amen? Stand together. So I get ready to get up here and preach this message and one of the teenagers comes up and says, can I give you a word? Yes. And she starts prophesying me into what I'm inviting you into. which is a relationship with God that even still is new again. I made some decisions lately that have been very salutary to me. I think I told you I got rid of social media. Yeah. And you know what? I'd been reading. I'd been reading that that social media makes people more anxious, more depressed, and less connected. And I said, check, check, check. And I got off of it. And then today I was taking my walk and the Holy Spirit came upon me. See, because when I stand up here and preach, you know what I want most of all? I want his presence to come upon you. And I want you to leave like Mary with a word inside of you from heaven that says nothing's impossible and a submission into, in you that says yeah Lord let's do it again more favor of the Lord yeah how do we do that I don't know but it'll cost you as much as it's ever cost you you're going to go out on the edge and you're going to be in the place of vulnerability and you're going to be in the place of I don't see how this can be and it's going to be so, Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit will come upon your people even tonight and that revelations of your goodness will overwhelm the revelations of our need. I'm asking, Father, that you'll conceive in us that which is to be born 
for your glory.